Welcome to the Lojo Show. It's all right. I'll get better at it. Did I just say it? There is no monopoly on good ideas when it comes to cybersecurity. Welcome to the Lojo Show. I am your host, Lobertur Jones. I am the founder and managing partner at BlackRock Engineering and Technology. I have over 20 years of experience in cybersecurity, and I am honored to be able to bring some of that experience to you. Today, we're going to talk about personal cyber hygiene. That's cybersecurity for the everyday families, your house, your kids, your dogs, your cats, and your fish. Ah, yes, I'm talking about my life too. This episode really comes from some of our listeners. Um, it is a result of them asking a number of questions about personal cybersecurity. What does it mean? What is it? What are we trying to protect? Uh, all of these things fall into that. And today, when we think about cybersecurity for your personal lives, um, you think about how that's really changed. Well, before there was cybersecurity, you had security on your house, in which case you build a house, you got the four walls, you have the roof, and then you have these cool locks on the doors, and maybe you even bought a really, really hefty exterior door to keep somebody from breaking in and taking whatever is yours or threatening your life or threatening your safety. Today, that whole world has changed. We have the physical world of cybersecurity, right, and you also have the um, technology world of cybersecurity, right? We have now things like smart homes, smart locks. We have gates. We live in gated communities in some cases. And in some cases, when you walk into an apartment building, yes, you have uh, security and um, closed circuit television and stuff within those areas. But most importantly, one of the things that you really need to think about is that everything you do now is mostly electronic. It's electronic. So you've extended what used to be just your brick and mortar home and the security that you had in there where you had a nice little file cabinet that you stored all your personal information, your documents, your passports until you needed them for travel, um, your credit cards and stuff until you went out. But now, all of that, now in some way, shape, or form, is now extended to an electronic footprint. You have electronic footprints on your phone. I don't know about you, I use my phone whenever I go to Starbucks now to get my coffee. Right? I use my phone because my phone has uh, different elements and pieces of my life all over it. I use credit cards as, a, as an example. You have different types of uh, cryptographic keys and stuff too that are there. Uh, where there is security, but then also, it's also another vulnerability that's in your life that you don't think about quite as much. When you now are processing a mortgage or uh, getting ready to buy a home or so, all the information that you exchange with your financial representatives and stuff too. Yeah, some of it's still on paper, but the majority of that is still kept in electronic form. We use DocuSign now to sign our documents. These are all examples, again, of how now you really extended how far your cybersecurity goes. And so when we talk about things like cyber hygiene, cyber hygiene has now become really a material, um, uh, an imperative, right? A material imperative in your life because, um, you have that exposure. Now, I have some examples definitely as far as in my life where uh, I've been exposed, where there's been identity or there's been a password or so that's been compromised or even an account that's compromised. And uh, it's a very, very lonely feeling. But then you think about how much opportunity there is for someone to actually be able to use that information to their benefit and to your detriment. Um, how about you, Jonathan? Have this has this affected your life in any way? Well, I mean, for me, my uh, like at-home, home-life cybersecurity is kind of broken up into three sections. I have like the, the physical security, my wireless, like Wi-Fi internet security, and then I have like my cybersecurity awareness, which would fall into the category of uh, like your passwords being breached and keeping up to date and stuff like that. Um, I had one. Um, I think I only really had like one incident of someone taking my stuff because I. I'm kind of a freak. I have, you know, the super complicated, unique passwords on every, <laughs> each, each account. It's, it's all different. And uh, I had, there was a Yahoo breach earlier this year, if I remember correctly, is when it happened. But someone got my password to my email and they used it to log into my crypto wallet because I had a, I think it was crypto.com at the time. 
And I had two-factor authentication, but my second factor was sending a code to my email. Mm -hmm. So they used that, got into my crypto account, and then siphoned all of the money out of my checking account because it was hooked up to my crypto account. Mm -hmm. It was honestly impressive. Right. Like, like I was mad. I got most of my money back, but I was mad, but it was impressive. Yep, it, it is. It's, um, it's impressive. And then the other part is that it's... Uh, it's something that's going to be a, a prevalent thing in the future. And here's where it is. In, in cybersecurity, we always talk about attack surfaces, right? And that is basically if you just took everything that you had and you laid it bare and you go, okay, where are the entry points? Where are the danger zones at, right? Well, we have a ton of those danger zones now. Uh, electronically, it's made our lives very much so convenient, right, to have applications that link other applications that are important to us, like our banking, with our checking, with our crypto wallet, with our other, you know, like Apple wallets and stuff too. But at the same time, where you are sometimes using these technologies to secure and make for convenient purchases or convenient, uh, you know, convenient actions in your life, uh, you also are laying out a larger attack surface, right? Yeah. We talk about passwords, right? Passwords at the end are still the most prevalent thing that you use to secure something. Problem is with passwords is that if you've used either Google, Hotmail, Yahoo, or whichever, the likelihood is is that you have already been part of a breach. Does right? anyone use Hotmail anymore? There are people that use Hotmail. Really? Yeah, there wow. are people that use Hotmail. You know, Hotmail is, I mean, it's still there. It's still there? It's still around. Is AOL still it around is, too? Uh, you know, get some users out there that still have some AOL uh, hotmail but I mean when you still take you still take kind of the the free email platforms like Gmail Yahoo and hotmail you still have a pretty good competition between the three right still there I mean it's just email so but it's email people had those for a long time my first email account was AOL my second AOL my second email account was a hotmail wow right don't even make any jokes about my age. Either. I wasn't going to say anything. Your face was saying it. <laughs> <laughs> your face was saying it. But getting back to that, think about the passwords and credentials that you've used in your past. Is there a pattern to your passwords and credentials? Again, we are creatures that will always err on the side of convenience than security. So our personal information or the opportunity to compromise our personal information and use it to you know nefarious ends uh, such as you know theft of credit information theft of of money and stuff too where we're accessible even things like um, you know title fraud and stuff too uh, these are things that are very much so now open you know to the world for folks to have the opportunity to work with and so when you think about this when we say that, hey, we, we, we want to pursue our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, well, part of that is convenience, and each one of those things there can really, really be affected by your personal cybersecurity hygiene, yeah. and whether it is strong or weak, and it, the consequences of it uh, can be can be pretty, pretty heavy. So let's, let's talk about this a little further. Let's, let's talk about this from a, just a layman's standpoint. In your home, most of us now have wireless access. We have Wi-Fi within our homes. That wireless fidelity or wireless access that we have in our house, uh, in our homes, is normally being provided by our cable provider, our old school DSL provider, right? Our phone service. In some cases, when we look at some of our, you know, our users and stuff too that are in the country, they're using some sort of SATCOM as well. Uh, for high-speed internet. At the end of the day, we want to have high-speed internet for us. So, so don't use Spectrum. Don't use Spectrum. Uh, if you want yeah. the high-speed, don't use Spectrum. <laughs> Sometimes that's not really high-speed. <laughs> <laughs> but what I hear is that they are working on it and that, uh, that that's going to get faster and faster. So we'll, we'll see how that works out here. Um, but they are being provided by those internet providers. There is some base security that's involved with that, but at the end, you are your own worst enemy when it comes to how you have secured your network at your home. A lot of people still have very simple passwords. They may be using wireless access protection as far as for uh, WAP and stuff on their, on their internet, but 
at the same time, they're not working over an encrypted network. And also, it's not that hard anymore to decrypt uh, passcodes and passwords as they're going over the air and as that's being keyed. So it's not a complicated thing uh, to do. Now, does that mean there's somebody outside of every home that's, that's riding or looking at this? No, that, that doesn't mean that. But really, our first part of our hygiene is really to kind of, you know, clear our nose, right? Clean our nose, wash up under your armpits and everything else. That's the first part of hygiene. So let's make that synonymous with, I have an access point that really all my computers in my house connect to. Why would you not secure that access point? Mm -hmm. Why would you not use some of the personal security products that are out there? I mean, most of the antivirus companies and stuff out there now also have VPN. Most people don't choose to use the VPN. But think about it. You're on your network in your house, and let's say you're in the interior of your network in your house. Everything you do is really going across that wire in your house in uh, uh, plain text. It's not being encrypted. It's not using tunneling. This is what's going on in your own home. So the point in which there is liability between you and your provider for internet starts really from the router out, but there is really no protection for you from the router in as far as your interior network, especially when you select on your computer, do I want my device to be discoverable by other devices on that <laughs> network? Most of us click on that and go, yes. Because yeah, again, I don't. it's convenient. <laughs> I don't do that. I have my uh, I have my desktop hardwired to a uh, uh, one of those little switch hubs, mm -hmm. and then my printer's wired hardwired to that, so I don't have any nothing discovers nothing. Ah. I actually take it even a step further, and I have only one smart home device, which is the Amazon Fire Stick, and I have that on a subnetted separate network. Uh -huh. So like that doesn't even see anything else that I have. So just to let you guys know, Jonathan does not have kids. <laughs> And so when you have to play tech support to four or five other people in the home, that is not convenient because invariably that's going to cause an issue for you to have to troubleshoot for an hour. <laughs> right. That so, you don't want to, especially when the football game's <laughs> <laughs> So then, I mean, that does come down to the um, convenience versus security, mm -hmm. which I mean that's the struggle that every corporation has nowadays and it goes like the biggest company down to the smallest grandma has that problem absolutely right? our problems as individuals are not unique to the problems that corporations organizations dod or anybody else has and that is the usability of the tools that you have at your disposal to one create conveniences to create the accessibility to perform a task or to finish your work or three, to provide a digital experience that is going to be either lucrative for you as an, or, as, a, as an organization or lucrative for you as an individual in terms of your experience being online, having access to the things you want access to, and providing the you know, connectivity in your home for all of your, you know, all the people that live within that house. Mm -hmm. right? um, but if we take this and you round this up into uh, some of the consequences consequences are this you have consequences that are related to um, the uniqueness of your identity and how your identity and or associated credentials from that are used to access very sensitive information or very sensitive things like your banking like your social security number like your birth certificate passport those types of information that are very much so um, valuable in the black market. And in addition, also things like being able to open up fraudulent cards and accounts on your, on, on your behalf and without you being able to discover, being able to actually get you into more financial trouble in terms of both your credit rating, right? Your ownership of your own home, the money and value that's there. These things can be very easily taken from you with the right perpetrator and stuff with that. So when we think about our convenience versus security, we do at some point have to think about what well, the balance might not be as easy as, as, as we want it, right. but you may have to secure that a little bit more. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things about being a cybersecurity company and also being in this area is 
I have to make those decisions all the time. There's some things that I just can't do from a convenience standpoint. I can't share everything on my home network. I can't put my own work system on my home network a lot of times because, again, it's not as secure, mm-hmm. right? It, it's secure to some extent, but it's not as secure as um, as, as I would do here at work or, um, you know, I'm, I'm not usually having the whole family use VPNs because good thing about a VPN is that it's encrypted. It encrypts that, uh, that path. The bad thing about a VPN is that Sometimes it doesn't let you use a lot of the uh, cool tools, websites, you know, gaming and all that stuff that you would like to. Yeah. You know, it could even interrupt things like Zoom. Mm-hmm. All right. As far as on your connection and connectivity with that, because again, you're creating those tunnels and stuff there and things just don't quite work the same way. Yeah. Uh, once you do put in those security tech capabilities. But again, the consequences is this. Is my consequence that I want someone to be able to get to my brokerage accounts, my crypto accounts, uh, some of the things that really matter to me, um, sensitive information about myself, my family members, or even my company through my personal, uh, my personal kind of digital footprint? No. No, convenience is not worth that much to me. I'd rather be a little bit inconvenienced at that point in order to protect those things. Right. And again, this becomes a purposeful decision, you know, by uh, the individual of what they need their cyber hygiene to look like, right? Me, I, I definitely want, you know, I definitely want the cologne of cyber on me. I definitely want the deodorant there. And I definitely <laughs> want to take a shower at least two times a day uh, in order to, to, to keep that clean. That is my value from there. Other people's value may be that, hey, that's okay. I'm all right. Security, eh, you know, I can deal with it. And they yeah. accept that risk. But these are some of the personal cybersecurity decisions that are out there. And we'll go a little bit deeper into that here in a, in a little bit. So for me, with cybersecurity, like I said before, it's like three different categories. Mm-hmm. So like the phys- and I mean, convenience versus security plays into every aspect of that. So if we're going to talk about like physical security, I have mechanical locks. I don't have any smart home devices, like nothing. And for me, I feel more secure because I've seen demonstrations done and stuff about people like you can hack your lights, they can um, hack your car, like remotely. Did you see the Tesla test that they did where they flew the drone over the Tesla car and took over? Like, I don't like that kind of stuff. I have a, um, I've paid extra money to have a mechanical key for my car. <laughs> so it doesn't start up like, I, I like to keep things simple and more um, Neanderthal because I find that, that that just mitigates a lot of the threats. And for me, I'm trading off the convenience for more security where someone else, say you travel a lot, you want that smart home to make sure, did I leave the stove on? Like, did I turn my lights off? Is my AC at the right temperature? Like that kind of makes sense, right? So it's, it's always an interesting trade-off to have between convenience versus security and it applies to everything. Well, Jonathan, you're a bit of an extremist. I'm not an extremist. You are a bit of an extremist on this. Yeah, I mean, I could you go know, all the way the and be like Midnight or thing Amish. Is that you, well, the good thing is that you, that, you, that, you, that you readily admit this and that you do pay attention to these types of things and have responded with the fact that you are a little bit more risk averse. I would say I'm, I'm a moderate extremist. I'm not, not, not like, that's, that's an oxymoron. Like, like, but think about it. Like the, the really far extremist is like the Amish where they barely even have electricity, right? Like you have to get special permission from a priest to use an electric drill, right? So I, I would say I'm kind of an extremist. How can you be a moderate you, extremist? Well, you call me an extremist. Well, you're an extremist, but, but I'm not an you extremist. You can always come back and say I'm a moderate. Okay, fine. I'm a moderate. That's all relative though. Just let you know. Yeah. To me, you're pretty extreme. But I'm not Amish. Does your car have telematics? I don't know what that is. All right. Telematics. In your car, you mm-hmm. have things like infotainment, right? That's where you're able to connect your media. Oh, yeah. My Bluetooth can connect to right? my phone. Connect, right? Yeah, that's all right? it does, though. And then your, 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 your car also tells you different things about um, you know, your tire pressure, right? Does it tell you tire pressure? Uh, I don't think so. 
Mm, it's a super base, like super rudimentary model. If your, if your oil is, if you're overheating. It, it tells me that. Tells yeah. That, right? um, does it have a, a plug down at the bottom? It's a Honda, so your car is packed full of technology. So you can't, yeah. As little so, technology as, as possible. No, not really. Yeah. Those are packed full. Of but, I mean, technology. I could have a lot more, yeah. and I chose to have a lot less. Did you choose to have a lot less technology, or did you just choose a cheaper car? I mean, just let's, let's just let's just make sure we make it. I mean, kind of both. But I knew I didn't want the built-in GPS. I didn't want, like, any smart startup, tracking, assistant, driving, none of that. So I do wish I had a four-wheel drive. You look so he disgusted. Says, <laughs> he's, he's not an extremist. Because <laughs> I want four-wheel drive. Here, here is the, here's the thing. I have cars and stuff that are fully packed with telematics and everything else that's there, right? All that stuff is, is there. Because, re, you know, at the end, it, it's really cool. Right? I get in the car. It, it, it is turns cool. on my cup warmer if, it's, if I want something hot. It yeah, turns but... on my cup cooler if i want something cool you have a cup right? warmer and a cup yeah, cooler yeah yeah it's it's pretty cool it's it's pretty neat wow you know? um these are cool things i have my backup camera i've got my gps standpoint i got preferences set as far as on where i drive you've got the adaptive driving component too which is learning how i drive is that just There's because you're old cool or stuff. no it's because i love <laughs> you need the adaptive technology. driving these as you get cool older buttons all right these are <laughs> cool, cool buttons buttons and yes if i was the kid that walked into the room and had the red button on the wall push the button i would wait for everybody to stop looking at me and then i'll hit that button and run back out right? Yeah. <laughs> right just to see what it does um but again it, the ecosystems that we create now between your phone and your automobile and your home network at your house these are now linked in this large huge digital ecosystem right that you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of that if you do buy now a smart car and stuff too, that you get home, that smart car joins your home network, right? The information and data and stuff in exchange that you have between your car, your home, and your phone is massive. You know, it's massive. The information that is going from one thing to another is great. Your preferences are being passed between those between those uh, those devices, right? Using your home network as a median, and in some cases, using your mobile network that you have on your phone as a median for doing so. And now, also cars have their own communications yeah. network as well <laughs> that they are using. So the exposure of your information and data is going to be there. Now, is there responsibility on the provider for protecting it? Yes. A lot of times though, the provider is going to um, is going to limit their risk by you signing or checking a box mm -hmm. right on that so not saying that they're bad people but one of the big one of the well, big it's a business in our yeah. industry is to um is to offset risk right mm -hmm. or transfer risk right transfer risk to the user transfer risk to the third party transfer risk to you as the consumer right and then they only will take on risk and responsibility for risk if it is something that's mandated from a regulatory compliance state. Yeah, only if they have to. Only if you have to and only if it actually puts them in a position to be better than their competitor. Which I mean from a business standpoint makes sense. Right. And it's it a smart thing to do. Yeah. So you as an individual have to be aware of where liability begins and ends and where you need to be able to fill in that gap, right? There's a faith gap with your security. Okay, there's a faith gap in, do I depend on the providers and stuff that are out there that I have to secure my stuff at the level that I think it should be? Or do I have to take on the responsibility myself? And like I said, one of the first very simple things is when you buy that brand new computer, get your antivirus on it, mm -hmm. right? Get your anti-malware stuff on it, right? Understand that, look, that's just gonna be part of the investment. Get those types of things on your computer. And you as an individual as well, for just general browsing and stuff or on your kids' computers and stuff too in which they're going to these different gaming sites and whichever, be sure that you do put in those general basic base security measures so to protect yourself, protect your family, and also to prevent inadvertent sharing of additional information that you didn't uh, want to. So you just said um, basic security measures. So like 
for our listeners quick list what the basic security measures are yeah, for so you. Basic security measures is this. Um, one, if you have a provider that's providing you with a router that's giving you high-speed internet, right? understand that security needs to begin right there. One is, then this one is a simple one, do not set it up where you are just broadcasting your SSID. Hide your SSID. It's not a foolproof thing, but hide your SSID. There is an option for you to do that on your routers. For those who don't know, what is an SSID? So an SSID is what you actually name your router, right? Like, for instance, on my block, I have somebody has, like, FBI van. Someone on our yeah. block, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, FBI, FBI van 15. Van. I've got another one of, like, crypto. I have another one that's, like, called, like, Crypto Machine, right? But one, our neighbors is Happy Flapjacks. Yeah. Oh, happy <laughs> right? A lot of people like to be funny with their, with their SSIDs. But I would say this is that, one is good. You know what? Don't broadcast your SSID. Again, it's not foolproof. Somebody can, with some work and with some effort, can, mm-hmm. can find that. But it's, again, you're creating a harder, uh, you're creating a harder target, right? So right. That's, that's number one. Two, on any endpoint that you're going to connect to your network that's part of your own, uh, that's your, your own laptop, tablet, device, or whichever, go ahead and install VPN software. Mm-hmm. What that does is that should somebody do get should someone get on your network, I'd rather them not be able to see anything. And so you create those encrypted paths and tunnels from that end by using a virtual private network um, uh, a solution, right? Again, very simple. Things like Watchdog and other you know companies and stuff have these Symantec. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, Norton. Sorry, yeah, Norton. Norton. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. McAfee, F-Secure, yeah. right? They are, the, these, these little, you know, VPNs are, are available for you to be able to use. Two, malware protection is probably one of the most important things for you to have now. And why? Well, we did an entire series on this, and you guys have been listening, of ransomware and other things. Well, the delivery of things like ransomware through malware, right, it can help from a protection standpoint to be able to have anti-malware uh, I'm sorry, anti-malware, spy bot, anti-spy bot mm-hmm. <laughs> st- uh, st- detection capabilities on your devices and set it up so that these devices will automatically go ahead and remediate these things, all right? Don't just passively have it there just looking and passively, you know, and then don't ignore the fact that, hey, I just got popped and I show, you know, hey, have an alert that there's malware on your device. Make sure it gets cleaned up mm-hmm. and you can put that on automatic so that it does do that for you. So um, a lot of computers, like Windows and Apple, they have anti-malware built into them. Mm-hmm. Is that good enough, or should they buy a like more professional grade? So you can choose to use, like for instance, Windows native, like you know, malware protection, antivirus protection, right? You can choose to use that. These are these are good things. You can enable those and pay for pay for what's what needs to be paid for for mm-hmm. that. Um, I will say this, whenever you do buy a computer, let's say from a Best Buy or from a you know, Office Depot or so, right, and they already have the uh, Microsoft Office and stuff already installed on it, there's already a lot of malware-like things <laughs> that are on those computers because that's where some of your marketing and other stuff comes from. Yeah, other adware part, and all that stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of adware and stuff in those. So just be aware of that, and as you're going through the setup of your computer, you can disable those types of things. Mm-hmm. Right, that are again sharing information across your uh, your network. The other part too is that beware of things like when you go out and you buy your kid or you buy your kid a a laptop, a cheap hundred dollar laptop or two hundred dollar laptop. Right, um, you need to know where these devices are coming from. Right, yeah, I mean, you might get the laptop from you know from Target or you might get the laptop from Walmart or whichever from there, but understand that. With that, one of the things that's really unique about adding on antivirus software and stuff is that these computers come in, they're not patched up to the latest level. Right. And so right away, you're already exposed. So I, wouldn't, I would not recommend that you immediately go to a store, buy an uh, electronic device, and go to your banking account. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Put in your banking credentials. Yeah. would not recommend that. I would say make sure that you put in and install your... Uh, antivirus, anti-malware, spybot, and everything else 
Make sure uh, you enable um, automatic updates too. Yep, and you want to do the automatic updates for those. Um, Because we're not good at keeping our hygiene up when it comes to these types of things. We want to just get on. We want to browse. We want to get to what we want to get to. We want to get to YouTube and and do what we want to do. But take the time to just, you know, take those first, you know, 35 minutes to really set up, turn on the things that need to be turned on, turn off the things that need to be turned off, especially when it's talking about sharing more and more information. What was it? I think it was when, uh, what are the different levels of iPhone um, operating systems? What are they called? I'm talking about their iOS. iOS. That's what it's called. I think it was, I think it was iOS 13 when it first came out. It was supposed to be like the most secure operating system for a phone. And I saw it like all over the internet that people were freaking out because it's like, oh, Twitter wants to look at the devices on your network. Oh, Facebook wants to look at the devices on your network and like all these other like obscure apps that don't need to be doing that. We're all asking for permission because they were now being blocked. And it's like, oh, so who, who is listening? (laughs) <laughs> That's where my yeah. mind goes. Like, who else is listening? And you bring up a great point. Um, the apps and stuff now, you know, you notice that you have to enable a lot of things for the apps. And, you know, it was before that you would go through your, um, you would go through your iOS and the actual, you know, menu to enable those. Well, now you can do the enabling of those, but you can also make sure that it requires for you to do a password and stuff too, so that you think about it a little bit more before you allow for that to listen. I do the same thing with uh, photos on my phone because mm-hmm. it's like allow select photos or allow all photos. So I always do allow select photos. So if I'm ever going to upload something, I have to manually go back, mm-hmm. add which photos it can access and it can't access anything else. Yep. Social media in general. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more about social media, right? Um, we know Facebook slash meta, right? We, 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 we know that, but... Listen, one of the first really kind of pioneers and stuff even in social media was still Google, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they had Google Hangouts. Uh, you had Google Photos, you had Google, I mean, you could post things and stuff through that. I mean, you still, you know, Facebook took it to a different level in terms of the social media component, but there is information that's being passed within those, within those applications and stuff now where it can look at photos, right? You can discover people's faces and stuff to it. You can tag mm-hmm. that type of information and things too. Yeah, a lot and of it these learns what your face saying, looks like. We're getting like. out of that business. We're not doing that. They're still doing that. Yeah. You, know, you can still bring up photos and stuff. And when you go and you say, hey, I'm going to Google something or Google a photo. Let's see if this photo is real or not real. Mm-hmm. Where do you think they get that information? If somebody tags you, tags a picture that's not you, right? And you go, hey, is this a real thing? And it's like, nah, that's not a real picture of this person. Mm-hmm. A little scary. What's also what's also scary is when you upload a photo and you go to click tag, it'll like on Facebook has those little boxes around their faces and you hover your mouse over it and it suggests who that person is because it recognizes their face. Yep. Like, nah. Yep. Nope. Again, a lot of these guys are kind of saying that we're stepping away from that, but they already have the, the capability. Is already there. Yeah. Right. They, they wouldn't get rid of the capability that they have. There's 12 and 13 years of collecting this information, mm-hmm. right? And, and and this is where kind of the big thing is: is that thinking about your personal cyber hygiene also affects even how you will participate in the future in things like workforce and stuff too. Because here's the thing: when you do the check from a social media standpoint and you're scraping this type of information, there are photos of you or footprints of you all over the place that bring up a very large profile, all right? Um, That profile can link you to the address that you live at right now today. Your phone number itself, if you take your phone number and you just plug that into a Google or DuckDuckGo or whichever, mm-hmm. right? There's information and data about that phone number, who the owner was, is, and continues to be. There's even in Usually some where cases, they live too. Yep. Yeah. And yes, there is a way to, there are, there are some phone numbers that also bind to what your new location is. The scarier part of that is that it also brings up a chain of your family members, mm-hmm. right? So this connectivity in our world well, one, it's essential to some of the things that we have come to love and enjoy, and that is, hey, somebody's anticipating what our likes and dislikes are, but at the same time, it's also showing where you may be overexposed from an information standpoint, Right. and now that information can be used against you. 
all right, and used against you in a variety of ways. One, it can make you look like you're a criminal. That sucks. <laughs> Two, when we go a little bit further, it can hinder you financially as far as being um, exposed and, and theft. Because again, at the end, your cyber hygiene is also going to lead to how can someone steal something from you? There really is no other game rather than uh, other than, hey, we want to steal this information so that we can do something to make money, right? Right. It still boils down to that. And if we can make money by, you know, taking the equity that's in your home, uh, stealing you know, your credit cards and doing max charges and stuff on those credit cards, yep. you know, uh, that's there and getting that out as far as as, a, as, a, as an actual product or something that they can resell in the marketplace uh, they can do that. They can do that fast, and it requires you to go through a very long chain of recovery yep. uh, to fix that. Another thing that you look at, too, is the amount of information that you give on every website. Oh, I hate that. Right? Ugh. I mean, we are so easily duped into just giving information right yep. and we need your like name that. your phone number your email address your phone number your physical address your social security number your credit card number like oh. yeah we expose a tremendous amount of that information and again we're talking about preference too here right mm -hmm. if you're willing to accept as an individual that hey i know that this could be stolen i know that this can be compromised but i'm gonna do it anyway that's understandable but if you are someone not quite as ancient as Jonathan, <laughs> but someone who really does have a sensitivity about this, um, there's some definitely little things you should do. When you're on a site, don't just give up that information. Be sure that you read very carefully. The other part is, is that you have a lot of sites too that are doppelhangers and fake sites mm -hmm. uh, that are out there that look very close to what you're going to be putting your information into yep. or that you're looking to buy something from. It's so easy to make those too. And you might think that something's wrong with your computer because you enter the information in, you hit it, and nothing happens, and it just goes away, and then you're like, oh, I must have entered something wrong. Yep. And then you're like, oh, oh maybe you're on the red, wrong, wrong site. Well, guess what? You just gave up a lot of personal identifiable information yep. you know, about yourself. So, I mean, the way I mitigate that sort of thing is I have a, um, like a junk Google email, mm -hmm. and then I have a Google, whatever that is with a fake phone number, like you can make a, I think Google Voice, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. So like I have a fake Google voice number and a junk email and that's what I enter <laughs> on, on every where I send all that stuff to and I just don't even I don't even know the password to that email or anything anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just what I automatically stick in because I don't want to give my real my real email and my real information. Yep. I mean so you're 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 you're, you're trying to obscure things. Trying. You're trying. Yeah, because I'm a but, moderate. You know, you're not a moderate, you're you're trying to obscure things. Um Sometimes that might be for not as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> when you make your email or where you are establishing that, you're also giving up your IP address. Well, that's where right. the VPN comes in. So VPN's good as well on yeah. that. Did it collect cookies? No. I block all cookies. So you block all cookies. All cookies. How about any of the meta tags? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So the whole world works on tagging. <laughs> yeah. Right? And tagging is innocent enough, but it's also a marker again where it's going, hey, it's a flag. This is Jonathan's fake email, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So how so would you uh, mitigate against meta tags? Well, I mean, Getting tagged. the thing is, is that as you are, as you, as you are either subscribing to a service or subscribing, let's say, to publications and those types of things, right? Um, there's not really a great way to get around that because right. as soon as you give up some of your information and you submit that, right? Um, tagging is tagging is happening with that information. It used to be that you had to do it manually. Now, tagging is something that's automatic because you now you do have AI behind that. Oh yeah, that does this yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That provides that capability, and it is it's a very gigantic database that can relate you to just about anything as far as tracking that down. So this is where, again, you have to be careful on what sites you're going on to do this. Right. I mean, and those cookies like we were talking about before, like that's how marketers get you. Because mm -hmm. whatever website you're looking at, they'll take your data like, oh, hey, Loverture was looking at camouflage underpants. Mm -hmm. Right. And then now you're going to get a bajillion ads 
in your Facebook and your whatever you do with mm -hmm. camouflage underpants. Right. That's all you're going to have for like the next three months. And then you'll think of pizza and you'll have a pizza ad show up. Yep. It's like, oh, it's the third day of the month and the temperature outside is 62 degrees. Lovature normally mm -hmm. orders pizza today. Yep. Well, one of the things that you do see if you use Uber, <laughs> like Uber Eats or DoorDash or or Grubhub and stuff too, and you you know you search for food, guess what? Some of your preferences can come up in those applications. Mm -hmm. Or what I find is really neat is where I start getting advertisements in Facebook when I'm doing furniture shopping. And I'm not even in Facebook, but I'm furniture shopping on one other site or whichever, but I'm using yep. my Google browser or whichever from that, that happens. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some ways that help and limit that exposure of tags and everything else, and that's where you're using the incognito modes or the safe modes right. of your browser. But it just came out earlier this year that Google records all the incognito mode data too. Correct. So th does that really help? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some. You so know. are the you just mentioned Google? Is there a, a what? Are there different browsers that are better for security? Like I prefer to use like the Brave browser and Mozilla Firefox because mm -hmm. from my understanding, those are like the more secure, they don't gather as much data kind There's of It's probably thing. not a gathering as much data because that's not how they really make their money, mm -hmm. right? As far as on that. But you know, in, in the end, if you are going to browse under your own, you know, if you're going to browse under your own profile or whichever, um, I still use I still use the, the mainstream browsers in that case. I okay. do have things set up on it and I've personalized it, but at the end, at some point, it's going to lead me back to those. Right? Yeah, I mean, when, some when some websites don't something. work with different browsers yeah. or they work incorrectly. Yep. So I mean, with that kind of thing, I use Google, but for everything yeah. else, like. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the other part is distinguishing, right? It's distinguishing between your information being used for bad reasons or your information being used for the purpose of generating or giving you more convenience, mm -hmm. right? Um, obviously, Google didn't go, hey, I'm going to collect this information so that I can steal your credit card information, everything else, right? Google right. said, look, we've put together the largest database in the world. And with that, we'd like to also be able to offer people experiences that are going to, one, be paid for or allow them to you know, continue to use us or to grow our usership from there. And or also become a better and better customer because you are consuming more services and stuff too, right? Right. So there is a point in which you have to distinguish between that. Now, if I'm going to, um, if I'm going to go to www.jonathan.com, right? But instead, <laughs> I've spelled Jonathan with a O at the end of it, right? <laughs> Jonathan. 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 Right. Ugh. It's uh, terrible. And I'm trying to trick people into coming there. I was like, hey, welcome to Jonathan.com. Hey, man, great to see you. We have a party that's going on next week. Sign up right now. Put your birth date and everything in it. Distinguishing between, there's, there's certain things that I don't want to say it's common sense, but it's certain things that you have to watch for right. as a consumer to make sure that you're going to the site that you intended to go to. To make sure that when you enable cookies or it, when something wants to collect information about you that you know that it's with a reputable site, it's a reputable user and stuff from that end that's, uh, that's doing it. So you do have to make some distinctions on, on that as a, as a consumer, right? Right. If somebody says that they're going to give you a free $10 million, it's probably not the right site to click on. I mean, but that might be a free $10 million. Like... Probably not because it's just there's no free $10 million, <laughs> right? Uh, so... It is making those distinctions. Unfortunately, one of the biggest um, victims when it comes to this are some of our seniors mm -hmm. who are logging on and yep. beginning to use the, the internet, beginning to use the internet, or have maybe even fallen behind a little bit on what are the capabilities, where are they exposing themselves? Yeah. Right? Every time I go see my grandma, I go to her computer and make sure everything's updated and all that. You have bad actors out there or you have bad guys who do profile mm -hmm. folks, who do profile senior citizens, right, uh, in this sense, uh, because of several things. One is the innocence that's there regarding uh, the Internet right. and what can be done from that. Two, they are also are the biggest holders of wealth, Yeah. <laughs> right? And two, demographically, they have a lot of things to think about as far as for the safety of their kids, their grandkids, and other things that they can be used against them to be able to extort 
funds and money from them. Maybe they're not as knowledgeable of, hey, if you connect to your bank, yeah, your bank requires you to have a, you know, requires you now, a lot of banks require you to have antivirus and stuff that's on, mm-hmm. or require you to download their antivirus, right? Right. Uh, to do that, but are, are not aware of that and are sending them to sites that look like their own bank and being able to extract that information, right? Yep. I mean, these are not new attacks. They're just being able to be distributed in a different way, right? When I was a pen tester or when we were a social engineering, right, we would literally go into the data centers, right, and then walk around with a laptop with like the same, like, hey, you know what, we're doing an audit of, we're doing an audit of, uh, of, of, of elevated credentials, of administrative credentials. Could you please enter your credentials in there? We just want to check it. <laughs> right? I mean, it sounds like one of the dumbest things you can do, but you know, you're in a data center, you seem like you're right, you yeah. seem like you're Got the okay, right badge on. Got the right badge on and yeah. stuff. So people would enter their information in there and enter their credentials and we'd have those credentials and we'd go back to, you know, we go back to where we were and enter those credentials in on things that we had remotely, that we'd have access, you know, remotely now at that point. So basically what I just mentioned, there's just an accelerated form of that, right? Mm-hmm. Using doppelgangers and stuff for that, right? Giving them a false website and stuff to put their credentials in. It's the same attack. It's just generated a different way. So, right. Our seniors are very easily socially engineered, and this is what you have to watch out for, right? Things from emails that are coming in that say, hey, come to this site. We have your, you know, you have to do some updates for your pension, da 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 Yeah. They know that, hey, you've maybe worked for GE, or you've worked for the federal government, or you've worked for others. In that case, right. enter your credentials there. And Check your social security. And so these are very easy things for folks to do. So when we talk about cyber hygiene, um, we're not referring to just what you do on your computer. We're also looking at what are the social engineering aspects of this? What are the physical aspects of this mm-hmm. where people are, are giving away their credentials and stuff from that? Right. And that comes to like the kind of third point in how I do my at-home cybersecurity, which is the cybersecurity awareness, mm-hmm. like being aware of the threats, being aware of the common attack vectors, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that trend, like with, with grandma, right? Mm-hmm. What you can do to help keeping her from typing in a bad website address is put bookmarks, mm-hmm. right? You can enable like cookie blockers. You can do all kinds of things to automatically help her. But you also need to sit down and have a conversation and be like, Grandma, I will not call you from prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like that happened to my grandma. So I'm one of I'm a lot of kids, right? Mm-hmm. That happened to my grandma. You know, where they're like, oh, hi, Grandma. I'm in jail in California. I need $5,000 for bail. Yeah, it's crazy. And they actually got her number and the names of her grandkids from the obituary when my grandfather died, yep. which was posted online. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, it's um, it's unique because you know now you don't even have to have the obituary. You can just do the fine lookup and stuff too from that, and they've linked those types of things together. Yep. Um, so it's a it's a very quick review, and you know, and we, we're talking about our our, our elders and. and grandmothers and grandfathers and stuff too from there i'm a grandfather as well Um, (laughs) we're we're talking about these things but that is a a significant area when we talk about like even our baby boomers and stuff that are retiring or have retired at this point and are are moving more into that elderly uh role and stuff there um, this is where things are very susceptible this is where they they are a very susceptible target for um you know, malicious actors out there, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh, theft is one of their primary goals, uh, disruption, uh, so that they can either pull information or ransom money, whichever from that. This is where we do have to look at. If you're a professional that's out there and you do have, um, you know, your elders and stuff that are out there that, uh, you know, are possible targets, being able to kind of take the time like Jonathan does when he goes to their house, checking their computer, making sure that they have, you know, bookmarks and stuff to things that they need, right? Making sure that they have their, um, have secured at least some of their basic things, right? Right. Uh, how they get access to money, where they're going to buy, right? Travel and stuff too, those types of things. And making sure that they're following good hygiene for that. Checking their routers and even at their house too, as far as what are you connecting to? But most of all, what's on their cell phone, right? <laughs> What is, what's, what's on their cell phone and working with them through it? I'm not saying you go in there and be like, hey, Grandpa, give me your phone, let me look at it, right? 
It's just making them aware and be able to communicate to them, this is what's going on in the world right now. Because they may just be reading their local newspaper and not getting really the vast majority of information and data. So you mm -hmm. want to be able to have those discussions with them because they are ones that are most susceptible. People talk about our kids being the uh, soccer. Our kids are smarter than us, right? I mean, my kids, as far as like 16 years old, even my nine-year-old in some cases, surprises me on how much information they know about browsing and how much they know about what information is being taken from them uh, when they're when they're on. They are very knowledgeable of it. So taking the time to communicate cyber hygiene, what are some of the indicators of compromise or indicators that uh, can either prevent or even indicate that there is some sort of um, problem or theft of data. Mm -hmm. Having those conversations is, is important because it's an awareness thing. It's, again, an awareness thing. We just finished up the Cyber, Cyber Awareness Month. Yep. And I would say definitely would want to make sure that we uh, impress upon our, our viewership or, excuse me, our listeners um, that don't just let that sleep as far as cyber awareness for that month. The awareness and communication on that is absolutely essential for our young folks, folks our age as well as far as within the working workforce right now as well as our elders and stuff too within yeah, them. everybody important. Well, that's it for this episode of The Lojo Show. We've talked about and walked through some of the things about personal cybersecurity hygiene. Uh, we did find out as well that uh, Jonathan Logan should be probably out hanging out with uh, <laughs> the Amish at this point and a horse and buggy and a plow. Hey, if, well. I, if I'm at the Amish, I can't work here. So I would not give Jonathan over 20 acres to work, though, just to be honest. Wow. He might fall apart. Wow. But at the same time... I work out. The premise of why he does the things that he does of being really a very large Luddite, someone who does not like to accept <laughs> uh, technology and, and adopt it, there are reasons behind that. And while they may be a little extreme, they do make sense. <laughs> So, okay, I got to defend myself real quick. So the way I see it is convenience versus security, right? Imagine like there's a dartboard on a wall mm -hmm. and you're the dartboard. If you, it's going to be more convenient and you have all these cool toys and all this fancy stuff and you don't like secure things, use VPNs, all that. You have a very, basically your whole wall is one giant dartboard. It's not hard to hit it. If you do proper security or if you're like me in a midnight and you just don't have, just cut out the stuff you don't need, I mean, you got a small dartboard. It's, so are you summing this up as in you should reduce your attack surface and that's what you're doing? Yes. Wow. What? Generations of change. Did you see? I just I just reduced that to one sentence. It took you an entire 45 seconds to set this up and I reduced it into one sentence. Jonathan reduces his attack surface by being a ludite. <laughs> I reduce my attack surface by being proactive. And that's it for this episode. <laughs> Please check us out on our on our website uh, for some of our exit notes. And guys, we also want to still hear from you. So thank you again for listening to the Lojo Show, Jonathan. Always a pleasure oh, yeah. to hear you share your perspective. <laughs> it is unique. It is profound. Profound. And very interesting. <laughs> and at some point, sometimes I think I wonder, what did I do? <laughs>